0: Podcast. Today I'm here with Ash Wang. Ash is a designer, speaker, writer, photographer, painter. She self-published a couple of novels. Some of her essays have been published in publications like Fast Company, Offscreen Mag, and more. She's a designer at Adobe. Previously, she was a designer at Pinterest and was a designer at Twitter in the early days. Ash and I have been trying to schedule this podcast now since July 8th of 2018, it's been really hard to coordinate. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being here.
1: Of course. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I feel like this the idea of this podcast is older than both of our children, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of wild to think about.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, my son was born on the 11th, so that's, that's true. When was, your, when was your kid born? 23rd. Uh, of July? Yep. Oh. Now, I've noticed a few things that we have in common. Um, our kids were born in the same month. I didn't know that. We both have an interest in medieval history <laughs> and we're both Geminis.
1: Oh, so there's really four of us here.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right, four of us. So, Ash, why don't you uh, take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Ash Huang. I currently work at Adobe. I think you did a great resume introduction. So, yeah, I've been around the valley. In-house, so at Pinterest, Twitter, doing all sorts of things from brand design, event design, uh, most mostly doing product design, a lot of working with new users, uh, that kind of ilk. Freelanced, worked for like a bunch of different companies in that capacity. And I also write fiction, I paint, do all sorts of random stuff. I joke that I'm like the new age pioneer woman, or <laughs> just like <laughs> picking up buffalo chips for the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you're a
0: mother. So now you're now you're real busy.
1: Yep.
0: So uh, what can you say? With, it's also a little bit more about what you do at, a, at Adobe.
1: Sure. So I've done a bunch of things. I started off working on the XD product team. So mm-hmm. actually designing XD. And then I moved over and started working on just like creative cloud as a whole. So I got like a lot of like creative cloud web or like what's that experience like at, um, you know, helping out here and there. That team also does the mobile app. So like, CC Mobile, and also the most recent desktop app, and most recently I've switched over to a new team that's looking at a lot of projects that are a couple of years out, and um, seeing what we can do mm, on that front to help creativity. That's exciting. Is there anything that you can
0: mention, or is it all too sensitive? All secrets. All secrets. All secrets. <laughs> all right. we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, yes. So are you Are you moved into that new Adobe office?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, We've been there for about a year. It's very, it's very nice.
0: I didn't realize it was that new, but I did see a recent article and it looks really awesome.
1: Yeah. What's nice is there's um, a lot of different spaces. There's spaces for introverts. There's lots of meeting spaces. There's lots of ad hoc space. And so it's very comfortable. Awesome. Um,
0: So you just, we just covered a bunch of the stuff that you do, writing, painting, design, speaking, photography, et cetera, et cetera. How do you find time for all of that? And how do you decide what to focus on?
1: It's funny because I think that is the number one question I get. I guess the way I think of it, it's kind of like a gradient, right? You as a person, like generally most of us, it's like, I have more time. I have less time than I had when I was like a kid in the summer and you could just do anything, which was, I don't know about you. That was like a super fun Mm -hmm. time where you could just do projects all day, but you have way more time than, I don't know, like Barack Obama circa 2014 or something. So you're somewhere in the middle. I don't know. That That's always been helpful for me when I'm like getting stressed out about not having time to do things where it's like, okay, like I can achieve something in whatever small amount of time I have, whether it's like 10 minutes, whether it's an hour. And of course, nowadays, my time is a little more squeezed. So I have to prioritize like a couple of things um, versus I used to just be like, I'll do whatever strikes my whimsy. But I also find that for me, I heard this advice, I think, first from Elizabeth Gilbert, where it's like, just sit down for 10 minutes to do something. And like, if you just commit to 10 minutes, either you'll sit there and just be like, oh, whoops, it's like an hour has gone by. And then you can stay there until you really have to go. Or you'll be like, I did 10 minutes. That's enough progress. And even if you did that every day for like five days, that's 50 minutes of working on something. Yeah. So
0: are you the type of person that flourishes in the chaos of context switching and working on a lot of different things at the same time? Or do you prefer to compartmentalize the, the things that you're doing outside of work and, and focus on one thing at a time?
1: Definitely the former. I like having a lot of different ideas. And I like how those ideas end up influencing each other. So at any time, even at work, I have like Two or three projects going at once, where one's kind of like, "Oh, I have like a couple minutes, and I'm burnt out on this project, so I'll work on that one." To the point where, even when I was, I went through like a really hyper scheduling phase <laughs> where I would uh, like schedule it my entire day when I was freelancing and be like, "These three hours, you're working on this project." This, but instead of being like, you would work on one project, I would actually say, "Here are your two options, and like choose the option that you want to work on in that period of time." So. Yeah, I always need like my finger and like whatever many different pots or whatever the expression is. I find myself the same
0: way. I think it's it's actually harder for me to have one thing to focus on. I like I don't know what it is, I'm interested in a lot of things, but if I if if, if I focus on one thing too long I tend to get a little bored of it. So I like context switching sometimes. Yeah.
1: And sometimes you just get stuck and if you only have one thing, then you're just like stuck on that one thing and there's no escape. <laughs>
0: So as it relates to your, all your side hustles and your, and your daytime job, how has the, the baby changed things? Uh, I guess, more specific question, has having a baby made you more productive with the time that you have?
1: I'm also interested in hearing your answer to this, uh, because I think it's a big question that I certainly had before I had a kid. I definitely, like, you know, I'm not gonna lie, my productivity has gone down a bit. But I do feel like on the two or three projects that I've picked to really focus on, I'm able to really get down to business super fast, um, even faster than before, where it's like, okay, I might have only 45 minutes, so like I'm really going to make the most of this. Yeah. Versus before, it's like, oh, like 30 minutes here. Whoops, I went on Twitter for two hours. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> so there's like a little less of that.
0: With me, I think that I've always been all over the place, you know, like hundred million things going on, like, you know, a lot of energy working maybe a little too much. I don't, I've never overworked myself, but as soon as uh, the baby came around, like things got a little bit clearer about what I wanted to do, I guess, like my vision of life and all that sort of stuff. And so I think I got better at just saying no to things. And that kind of just helped me make the most of the stuff and, and also trying to just be okay with what the progress that I have made versus trying to, you know, over-design things, over-perfect things and just kind of move on because now it's like, well, I want to do good work, but I also want to get out of work at a a reasonable time and go hug hug my little baby, you know?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely a real incentive. How are you, like, tracking your progress? Because, you know, it's, like, maybe not as much as usual, but...
0: Well, I think progress for me is now about delegation to others. So, uh, I would say like one third of the things that I, that I have to do are things that I need to do. And the other two thirds are things that I have to delegate. So it's a, uh, for me tracking the progress is more about like learning how to set better goals for managers and managing managers better so that I don't, so that work can be distributed. And so I can achieve those things, but through others. So that's, that's made a real difference because if, you know, if I wasn't able to delegate, Uh, I would be working a lot more hours of anxiety and stress and all that would be a lot higher and it would be harder to take advantage of the couple of hours a day. I do get to see my, my kid, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel you.
0: You (laughs) Yeah. Did anything else change for you when you, when you had a kid, like uh, like your outlook on the things that you want to accomplish in life on a personal level or a a professional level? And I'm just, just kind of, you know, two parents, I'm, you know, like, I'm just really curious about how you you know how that's um, inspired you or changed your your world.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways. One is that I definitely feel like I want to set a good example for my kid. I mean, I, I, it's really important to me that we spend a lot of time together and we have a lot of playtime, and um, you know, like it's really fun just to be around him. But there is this part of me where it's, like, it is really important to me that I set an example for him of, like, yeah, like, when you are passionate about something, um, mm-hmm. doing those projects is, like, extremely fulfilling. So it is important to me that he sees me doing things like that. So, like, you know, when I go for conference talks, if I'm speaking, like, I'll take him with me. It's, awesome. like, I, I like that he's there. Um, and it's also great because then people in the audience don't think it's weird to, that, like, moms speak like, yeah, they're like out in the world still. So um, that's one of the things that's been really important for me and helping him develop into like a normal human being, I think. Yeah, just otherwise, I think I have a lot more patience for things. It just gives you a perspective. Like, I feel very lucky that um, my kid's been pretty healthy. And like, you know, he has bar if, barring a few, you know, like, falling on his face and stuff. He's been really healthy, and we have a good time together. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff, I think, when I was younger that I really cared about a lot, or like, I was really worried about. And now there, it's a little easier for me to say in a healthy way, like, hey, you know, if you mess up 30 pixels, no one's gonna die, like, everyone's gonna be fine. And it just gives like a pretty good perspective on living, which for me as a very anxious person is helpful. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, there's, there's, uh, I, I've also found similar things. I thought that having a baby would honestly like destroy my life. Like I thought, Oh, I'm not going to be able to travel for work and Oh crap. That's how I get business. And you know, uh, I, or I, I was worried that either between Natalie and I, or one of us would want to be, you know, a stay home parent and then, Oh, that's going to destroy everything. And But, uh, it didn't, it, it made things better. And there is ways to include your, your family on these types of things that we do. It's, it's not as easy as going solo, but it is possible when you, when you go, uh, when you speak and and, and you bring your kiddo, how do you do that? Do you have, does your husband travel with you or do you?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so we kind of have like a mostly agreement that if one of us is speaking, then like the other person comes along and we all go as a family. It's just, it ends up being a lot less stressful because then, at least at night, we can like all be together and everything, and it's like pretty fun.
0: So how, what is the, how old do you have to be to have a frequent flyer under?
1: <laughs> well, flying under two, you are uh, free for a while, and you can like not have to buy your own seat. Um, although I don't know how Julian is, but yeah, Otto is like very wiggly, so we've started to be like, oh no, you're quickly approaching the. Uh, you need your own space so that you don't like put a foot through my eye but
0: (laughs) yeah Julian has always done well on airplanes but he's just recently hit that phase where he's just like all over the place and so I'm a little you know I think I think it's personal seat all the way now but when I'm when I (laughs) I travel to go see my family it's like 45 minutes is fine but um what's the longest that you you traveled with Otto?
1: uh well we went to Spain wow um and we recently were in Taiwan visiting family. That was like a family trip, though, not a speaking trip. But yeah, so he's been on some some long hauls.
0: Yeah, he's an experienced flyer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, speaking of childhood, what did you want to be when you were growing up?
1: It's funny. I wanted to be like everything, which is great that I ended up in design, I think, because there's such an opportunity to learn about anything. But yeah, I think, you know, we share the medieval historian (laughs) background there. But yeah, I honestly thought I was going to be like a zoologist. I wanted to be an opera singer for a while. Yeah, just a little of everything. Um, But definitely writing and doing art was always like a consistent thing. I just didn't really understand how that could be turned into a career until I, like halfway through high school. And then I was like, oh, this design thing is kind of the best of all worlds where I can just like learn about anything and I'll have a skill that I can apply to many fields. So that worked out really nicely for me. But yeah, if I hadn't figured out design, I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing. Probably like a little bit of everything.
0: So you, you, you learned about design when you were in high school and, and reached a conclusion that that was a direction that you wanted to head in.
1: Yeah, I was lucky. Cause I think, you know, I don't think most people even know design is an option till later on. Mm. And I don't think you need to go to school to be a successful designer by any means, but it's definitely like a huge shortcut. But yeah, knowing what you want to do at like 18 years old is pretty intense. So I feel very lucky, honestly, that I somehow figured that out.
0: Yeah, it was similar for me too. I mean, I wasn't good at any of the other sort of subjects in school, but I was good at art and mechanical drafting. And my dad was a, (laughs) a graphic designer. I mean, I didn't, the type of design that I ended up doing isn't the type of creative work that I thought I would be doing, but I too just kind of, you know, made the decision early on. Uh, I didn't really have uh, many options to like where to go study it. Where did, where did you, where did you study design?
1: So I ended up going to Carnegie Mellon university, mm-hmm. which was awesome. But the funny thing is I went there for pre-college for a summer program because I randomly got an email. I still don't know how I got this email if I had signed up for something that I forgot about, but yeah, I got an email that was like, apply to Carnegie Mellon's pre-college program. And I was like, looking through the catalog, I was like, design, that sounds interesting. And was just like, yep, this is it. This is the program I want to be in. Yeah. So again, fortune there.
0: What type of design program was
1: it? Um, So I personally majored in communication design, but it was, um, there's a foundation year where everyone's together and drawing and learning to do all of that. And then, Sophomore year, you choose if you want to be an industrial designer or a communication designer, which I had like a huge giant, like crisis over in my head, but I ended up choosing communication design.
0: It seems like, I mean, um, so you you have a lot of different things that, that interest you, different passions and all different forms of creativity. Um, I'm, maybe you don't struggle with this, but I'm curious, like what, how, how do you think about like, um. You know, even like when we, when we started, uh, before we hit record and we were talking about, you know, you, and you said, I just want to be introduced as a designer. Um, that's something that I've been thinking about lately, different kinds of conversations. It's most of them industry related. Cause I, I've, I've started to have this feeling that adding too much more other than designer, like starts to pigeonhole, could potentially pigeonhole you where, where if you just more open-minded about it, and maybe you know, it helps you sort of reinvent yourself. Do you feel like in your experience that you've gone through major iterations of, of Ash, like who Ash is as a creative person or as a designer? Do you, is that something that you think about redesigning yourself or do you just kind of let things happen as they, as they come?
1: That's a great question because I've always been like a weird projects lady, like, I just always have like 100 things bubbling. But I after school, especially I went through a phase where I was looking around. And I think, you know, there was a lot of pressure to specialize or to be like one thing, and to be just a designer and to like focus your brand, you know, like, it's kind of confusing to be like, I'm these nine different things. And so I think that was a major part of me hiding as a designer and then trying to really just be like a pure like designer like I do product design I do tech design I do this very specific thing and granted I always had like other projects I was like oh I'll just like buy a little letterpress and like do wild stuff I'll like write some books on the fly but I think it was actually a return to my childhood self which I'm like a big proponent of figuring out what you like to do as a kid, as like a wayfinding stick. And so I think embracing the fact that I was never going to just be like a brand designer who does these very specific kinds of logos, who has like a very beautiful portfolio that only has like one beautiful thing. Not going to be the person with like the Instagram feed where it's like everything is blue and it's like this style. But I am making the bet. I think twenty the 2020s are the decade of the multi-passionate creative
0: are you speaking to journalists as opposed to specialization
1: yes okay
0: yeah. I'm really interested in hearing your, your opinion of this I mean I, um, I'm lucky that I get to talk to a lot of different you know d- designers people at agencies a lot of in-house so you know this is something that I think about a lot tell me more about that prediction and why and why you said what you just said
1: Yeah, so I think the last 10 years, especially for design, has been just trying to create an identity that will be respected by like engineers, by like business people, even generally. Like now we have like Netflix series for designers, which is like kind of bonkers. But now that I think design has been established and like design as a whole feels secure, we can go back to being a little more authentic and you know, pursuing passions that aren't so monofocused. So I really think that it will ebb and flow. Like, and then I think after that, like maybe everyone will break off into their own little like niche things again. But I really do feel a lot of energy towards people not pigeonholing themselves and saying like, oh, I'm only a designer and I only like design brutalist typefaces.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, um, I agree. And I also think that it seems to be a trend in hiring too. I think that people are starting to get a little bit more responsible with how they spend their corporate dollars. I guess as an example, I've talked to a lot of uh, in-house teams lately. And one of the, one of the trends that I noticed just like looking at maybe three to five different companies, some of these companies that used to have like tons of specialists on the payroll every year have kind of slowed down on that a little bit, focusing more on the generalist skill sets and then still engaging, still investing dollars into specialists. But maybe spend a little bit more with like with freelancers and small boutiques and stuff like that to still do that. You know, I, I for some companies it was, you know, Oh, we don't have, like we, we do that work, but we don't do it at a high enough velocity. We have it on the books and others like, well, this is just generally how we want to build our team. But I've noticed that um, as a, as a trend too. I think specializations are, are interesting too. But like, I think I agree with you. Like I think there just seems to be more, just on a personal level, you know, more interesting things to do when you can approach design from a generalist perspective. I know a lot of people that like put all their eggs into the back in the basket of like whatever discipline and didn't really open their mind. And they, when the field changed, they couldn't quite adapt to what was needed, which is the next question I want to ask you, given, given that you have so many interests and you're very talented and capable in a lot of different areas. Do you think as the, as the world changes and new technology comes in, you know, virtual reality is an example. Do you do you think of yourself as a person that wants to stay close to that and adapting to all of these things and, and and maintain an ability to stay relevant as a designer? Or do you think that there's a certain point where you sort of lo- lose interest on broadening too far? If that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think I I think I see what you're getting at. But I think you're hitting on an interesting point where it's like there is this one path forward where it's like you just become so good at this one thing that no like your years of experience are not replaceable easily. But then this other path that you're talking about is also super viable and I think is really interesting where it's not so much like you are collecting like a discrete, knowable set of knowledge and mastering that. But you're it's almost like you as a person are like some kind of like putty. <laughs> that's probably a better word for that. But um you know that you are able to like pick up new technologies, you know what, the right questions to ask, you know how to learn. And so I think there's a lot that's still being shaped around like anything that's like machine learning, AR, VR, all of that is still actively being designed right now. There's like a lot of aspects of it that don't exist. And um, it hasn't gone through the the filter necessary for it to become like very commercially common, just because there hasn't been the design work. And that kind of stuff does honestly require a bit of a personality where it's kind of like, oh, like what is this thing? What if we do this? Like, let's do this ridiculous thing and see if it sticks. Oh, it totally flopped and is like a super terrifying experience. Like, great. Like <laughs> we'll try it a different way. Cause I think that's just what's necessary for those technologies. And again, it's like I think as a design industry, you'd really need both. You need somebody who's like, look, we've mastered like how to create like an amazing design system, and that's like all I'm gonna do. The work is equally valuable, but I think we are at a point where we are more open to that latter work, which is, I don't know what this thing is yet, and like that doesn't really scare me.
0: Yeah. I, um, I think that if if it wasn't for diversity and learning opportunities and variety, I don't, I don't think that we would be able to compete with all the other people that are hiring designers. I think that's one reason why someone might come to us you know, a small husband and wife business, we're an agency versus in, in house. But, um, I think about this a lot. Like my dad, you know, my, my dad was a graphic designer, but the tipping point from him is when they, when the Mac came out, when the Mac came out, he was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> uh, um, I'm never I feel not,
1: that way sometimes, you know, I'm not
0: going <laughs> in that direction and I'm, uh, I'm not old, but I'm older. And there's, there's sometimes where I see like some new, and I've always been like really, it's easy for me to understand tech, new technologies, but lately, but sometimes there's like stuff that I just don't get. And I'm wondering, I often wonder like when it, if it'll ever hit this point where I'm like, Oh, I just don't understand what's going on anymore.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, I'm definitely afraid of that. I mean, I will admit with Snapchat, I was like Googling, I was like how to do the puppy dog ears. And I was like, Oh no, Ash. Oh no. <laughs> I'm like, you're the olds that they're trying to keep off of Snapchat. Like it's official. But I was like, no, I will not be there. Because, yeah, I I don't know. I do think there's lots of examples of people who are, like, older and are just, like... Like, my dad, for example, was, like, as a fun project, he's like, I'm going to hack my Sony e-reader to, like, read Chinese text. Which I was like, well, definitely can't do that. And so he did. So he's still tinkering. And, I mean, he has his moments, like we all do. But, yeah, I think, I think it's just the it's like the curiosity gate. And I was like, as long as I'm still curious, even if I don't get it completely, like that's okay. That's like kind of where I stand on it where it's like, as long as I'm still curious, like that's fine.
0: In your career as a digital designer, given that you worked in all the different areas of it, you know, from product design to, you know, brand experience, what, what aspect of digital design interests you the most?
1: It's funny. Um, It's, I think, the double-edged sword where you can get an idea from, like, hey, wouldn't it be weird if, to, like, it's out. It's, like, on the internet. People are using it in such a short amount of time. But it's, like, a double-edged sword, right? Like, you know, it's, like, the text moves. Oh, there's orphans everywhere. Like, the text doesn't look right. Oh, no, that green looks horrible on, like, 80% of screens. And so it is really cool and it's like there it's like a frontier it's like fast and like anyone can have it but it definitely comes with challenges which i'm like sometimes i'm like oh yeah like it's nice in print where you like put the word down and you can literally like put it on the page and it's going to be like printed mm. and the only thing you need to worry about is light but yeah i think it's like it's totally a double-edged sword in my opinion
0: okay another question about the the day job you um are you're in your Capacity, Adobe. Are you a, Are you in? Are you in an IC capacity? Are you in a management capacity?
1: Yeah, I'm entirely in an IC capacity right now.
0: So, just from you, from your perspective on, on 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 what you want to achieve, what is what is your what is your thought on those paths and how you might approach it? Do you think that you're the type of person that wants to stay on the IC path? Do you think there's a point where you might think about management?
1: I've definitely flirted with. Going onto a management track, it's just like I always get pulled back into the icy problems of like the actual, st- like figuring out the story that a product should be telling or like where we want to go. Mm-hmm. I just end up always getting pulled into that. I am really interested in like mentoring and like helping people be their best creative selves and everything. There's like a lot of the parts of the management experience that do interest me, but it just, en- it all it just always ends up I'm on like. The IC problems. So, I'm
0: curious, have you talked to Natalie about that at all? Ever? No,
1: I would love to. Uh,
0: I think you guys have a lot in common. One of the one of the first things she told me actually today is our company's seven year anniversary.
1: Oh, congrats!
0: We made it seven years. I can't believe that. Um, anyway, but before she joined, before she made the decision to join, she told me it's really important to me to always be designing. I never really, no matter what we do, I I don't really want to be doing management. And so if you can commit to that, I'll, I'll go on this journey with you. And then I think (laughs) as time passes, like, you know, a, a human being changes a little bit, you know, maybe you get more open to mind at certain things. And also I think there's sometimes a pressure like, Oh, I'll do something because my team, my team needs me to do it or whatever. But same with her. She always comes back to, no, this is what's really important to me. And I think also like, when people are used in the capacity that they're most passionate about, you know, you know, good things happen. I just think that I've, I've never worked at a, uh, at a big corporation or an in-house team. And, but I've just always kind of felt like maybe the industry doesn't do as good of a job as it could at letting those people on the IC track continue to grow in both like skill and also compensation versus going the management track. In your experience at the companies that you've worked with, would you say that most companies that that people seem to be offering those two different paths for people where both people could grow? Or do you think that still talented designers are often encouraged to go down the management track because that's the way to, like, earn more money?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting debate that I do think, at least in, like, San Francisco and the design scene is getting talked about a lot. I think that it's one of those things where everyone agrees that it, like there needs to be an IC path and a management path. And I would even go so far to say like, what Like should designers become PMs? Like some designers would make great PMs, but right now it seems like that's mostly an engineering track where if you're an engineer, it's like, Oh, maybe I'll become a product manager or like a people manager or like I'll stay in IC forever. But I think, That honestly is an interesting path forward for designers that like isn't really widely available where you, you know, instead of managing people, you're managing like the project and like making the project really effective from like a higher point of view. Um, That's not to say that I'm going to become a PM. I don't think that's in my future, but I think that that would alleviate some of like the people management pressure, because I do agree. I think a trend that I see just across the design industry is people become managers, not because they are interested in people managing or they like the effectiveness that comes with people managing or the impact they can have, but they do it for power. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to be in certain rooms and only people managers are allowed in those rooms. And so like there comes a point where it's like, okay, well, if I want to have like a wider discussion and a wider impact, like I have to become a manager. And so I think that's like a main problem is making it not about power, but about like the role itself.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. A former colleague of mine was moving from Austin to Chicago. So he was leading Fundsize and he was telling me that he, something similar, I really want to into product management I think what he was really saying is I want to be at the table I want to be involved in strategic decisions uh, and titles are different in every company but he ultimately ended up getting uh, into a design management role and but it's I, I guess the way that it's set up in their company right now it's there's a lot of overlap between pro- product managers so he doesn't have to take on the full responsibility being like the product manager, but just enough overlap that it relates to like, you know, what are we making and, and how are we going to get this done? And, um, seems to be a good transition, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult when you take someone that's like extremely talented and you say, okay, all of a sudden now your goals and OKRs are different. It's all about, you know, how you can extract this of other people. And yeah, I think people, um, are pressured to do that, to do that too soon or they just don't have the right path. I know people that are in their fifties that are still on the, on the IC path. They're like, I am not going to be a manager. I'm going to be <laughs> a principal designer. And I think it's good to understand uh, what you're good at, where your passions lie and kind of, you know, stay focused because you know, life is short and shouldn't be doing something that you don't want to do. You want to challenge, take it on. Sure. But yeah, you know, I see a lot of talented designers like, can I get pressure to go that path a little bit too early?
1: Yeah. And I will say for for Adobe's benefit, they are pretty good about being flexible where it's like, yeah, you can have a safe place to try management or to try like all these different roles. And then like, if you don't like it, you can go back. Like that's cool. You can have take backs. <laughs> and I think that's also what stops a lot of people from moving off of an IC track to a management track. It just feels very monumental where it's like, once I go, I can't go back and I'll become irrelevant and like all these worries. Yeah.
0: Speaking of coming back, um, I heard that Brady Evans might have came, come back to Adobe. Is that true?
1: Yeah, she's there. She's awesome. She's great. Do, you work, I love do Brady. you work with her? Brady and I have done some things together, but sadly, I'm not day to day working with Brady uh, anymore. Well,
0: if you run into <laughs> her hall or something, tell her, give her a high five from here. I will. Switching a little bit back to uh, personal interest. Um, yeah, let's do it. So um, on the things that you do outside of Adobe, all the artwork, all the writing all the photography, is a standout, uh, an area that you are personally more gravitated to?
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of – I kind of bucket all of my, like, pursuits into two, like, very, like, obtuse, large buckets. But one is the buckets that it's, like, these are the things I do over and over again. And then the other ones are kind of, like, you know, I will do this, kind of master it to the extent that I want to, And then, like, leave it alone for a while, pick it up once in a while when I feel like it. So that's, like, a lot of, like, stuff, random stuff that I do, like, like, my plant hobby, my, um, like, knitting or any, like, fiber arts stuff. And so uh, the things that are more persistent, though, is, like, things that I just always do. So that's, like, fiction and writing and all of my, like, artistic painting, watercolor you know fresco (laughs) etc
0: in in the painting Um, world what is your preferred medium
1: um i just recently got into oils which i'm it's it's one of the situations where it's like this is very like northeastern u.s of me and i'm like why did no one tell me about this i'm so mad that i love this (laughs) it's like like i'm enjoying this so much i'm angry which i feel like is a totally like tri-state area new york thing to feel uh, is that where you're from Yes, yeah, I'm originally from Kit. Okay. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's, like, I always laugh because I'll be like, oh, I'm so mad. I love this so much. And people are like, oh, <laughs> it's like some weird, conflicting feelings. I was like, yeah, I know. But yeah, I've been really into oils. They just feel really natural to me. I'm still doing watercolors. I do a little digital here and there. Um, but I like to switch it up. I'm actually going back to, like, graphite pencil right now. But I like to, just like everything else, I'm, like, all over the place, so...
0: Um, we do this thing in the office called Magic Hour. Um, every two weeks, someone gets a budget and they can like do a little like a two-hour thing with the team. Some people will just like let's drink, and other people are like <laughs> let's do art. Uh, s- someone did a-, a graphite pencil thing with a- like a like a model, and it was the first time since college that you know where you have like okay, you got thirty seconds, like sketches. Oh, yeah. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to be, I used to really, really love, um, painting and drawing and all that. I just lost that. I, I think, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a cop up to say I lost that. Maybe I just haven't pursued it enough. It's really inspiring to me. Actually. Uh, I just got home from visiting my family and my dad, who I mentioned was a graphic designer, um, is also a sculptor and, he used to do a bunch of sculptures in like the 70, you know, 70s before I was born and he didn't do it at all for 40 years. Oh, and wow. then recently just decided I'm going to sculpt again and just poured himself into it like you know like he 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 doesn't feel like his skill is where he really wants it to be but he's just making he's producing like a sculpture a week. Oh wow. And, uh, That's the way to do it. It's really inspiring to see that cuz I didn't really no one really thought that he would do that. Um, but he did. And I don't know, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, well man, I really I really need to pursue some of my hobbies. But then it comes back to the baby thing and then I'm like sometimes feel the pressure of like, oh well, I need to be with him all the time. If I'm not working, I need to be with him. You wrote some or there was something in an art in an interview with you and you were talking about the importance of alone time. I get that like alone time. Okay, but now in the context of having a kid, how do you feel about oh, yeah. that? Do you, do is it still important to you for you to have that alone time where you're not with your husband and your baby or work, you're just you? Or do you feel guilty when you do that?
1: Oh, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I am, you know, my my chattiness may not reveal this, but I'm like very, very introverted. I like went on a 3-week road trip by myself and with like me and my dog and like literally talked to nobody and I was like, I could keep going. <laughs> like, so like I need a lot of alone time like, uh, please come home he's like, literally he's <laughs> like are you coming home yet um, but I find that I just like I still do need a little alone time it's just now it's like crunch to like I'll have half an hour by myself before anyone wakes up um, yeah. and for me I just like perspective wise I'm like yeah like when Otto's a teenager he's gonna be really excited that you want to be alone <laughs> Because he's probably going to be, want to be alone, too, or, like, be out with Strand or something. So for me, I guess I am kind of totally, like, okay with the fact that I'm just not going to get that much alone time. And I just take it where I can. Um, mm-hmm. Because just bigger picture, like, yeah, like, you only get X years with this kid yeah. living with you. And then, like, yeah, then you can have all the alone time you want again. So it's kind of like a seasonal phase thing, I almost think of it as.
0: Uh, Natalie Natalie struggles with this a lot you know like um, we're heading to Sweden well she's already in Sweden but I'm heading there tomorrow and she wrote something on Twitter after she left talking about her struggle with like trying to uh, negotiate uh, the things that everyone expects from you including your colleagues and your business with like how you feel about your family and I I think it is something that she definitely struggles with I struggle with it a little bit but a little bit differently like i think that the and i agree with you like i don't get much alone time anymore maybe like you said 30 minutes here and there but i feel like if i didn't do that if i didn't do the occasional happy hour with my friends and i think it's important to still invest in yourself be, in order to in to fully enjoy that time with your with your child i don't know just my my opinion on that
1: yeah i think it's particularly hard when there's like a lot of the uh... The mommy pressure, which I'm sure you've seen third hand, where it's like, yeah, like literally anything you do, somebody's gonna be like, oh, like that makes you a bad parent. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's like hard to kind of keep that out, but again, it's like, you know, I do want Otto to eventually understand that I'm like a human. Um, and you know, I think especially you know, raising a boy as a woman, it's like, yeah, like women have boundaries, like women have needs. Like, so it's like extra important to me that he sees me taking like the occasional time to myself or like working on a project, um, you know, in between all the other duties and everything. I think it's like a really good example to have.
0: I agree completely. I think that when you're young, it's easy. Well, maybe you don't even, it's not something you remember. It's just maybe something you don't realize that your parents were young they were in love. They had passions. They had hobbies. They had this other dimensions to them other than just being mommy or daddy, right? And that's that's something that's important to me too. Like I, I hope that my son will see uh, us as humans, you know. But yeah. I mean, you know, it might it might take a lot longer. But Do <laughs> <Totally. laughs> um, You guys have any plans to come to Austin?
1: We keep wanting to come to Austin. We are getting semi close but not close we're going to dallas in march for like a, a one of our really good friends is getting married but i yeah i would love to come back to austin at some point oh
0: if you if if you guys ever want to i mean i know i mean natalie and i would love to hang out with you guys if you guys ever yeah. want to visit you, we, you can crash with us and hang out it'd be really awesome That'd if you be can find her fun. find your way down this down this area
1: <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah
0: all right a couple more questions for you. Um, what are some of, what are some of the big things that you're work that you're working on this year? And that could be that's a very subjective question. So what are some of the, the big things that you're working on or, you're, or, or that you're thinking about this year?
1: Yeah, so my biggest kind of like side project that's taking up all of my time is I'm trying to complete the next draft of my novel. It's my third one. And this one, if it, if all goes well, is like the first of a series, which I've never written a series before. So that's kind of been a really fun experience. Um, it's kind of like a magical realism type book. And it hinges a lot on my experience personally of being um, Chinese American. So being like a minority in America, but like one that might have certain privileges And so, like, existing in that space, I think, is super interesting. And this one's scary, because I think it is one of the first books I've written where I'm just, like, this is me on a plate. Like, there's no, like, hiding behind intellect. It's, like, this is just, like, a lot of the experience I've had, um, as well as, like, toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, like, all of these ideas. Um, So it's, like, a big, a big ordeal. I am working on, like, finishing this next draft, which I'm hoping to get published and then my other big project is I'm trying to figure out my artistic style for like just what I'm doing and just without influence of you know what's popular or you know like what's validated easily um figuring out like what I want to my art to look like basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of know what subjects I want to tackle, but I'm not quite at the point where it's like, oh, it just comes out, and it's like that's exactly what I pictured. It's like comes out, and you're like, that's different (laughs) than what I was thinking. And just being a little braver, where I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'll do these studies, I'll just study forever, I'll do swatches forever. Where it comes point, it's like, okay, like what's what are you going to do with all of that um, studying? So that's been an interesting. challenge I did this like giant exercise where I was like mood boarding and like doing all of that um yeah and then the third it's just like I'm trying to like really focus on like being around for my family I just I feel like you know you blink and you miss like I see it now where it's like oh you can blink and like kid is five and you're like much older, and you're like, oh, what's going on? God, it's um, so strange. Was, it's scary. I visited.
0: I visited my uh, family. I just got back last night. I visited my family for like three days, and last night when I picked my son up, he just looked different. Yeah. And and acted different in like just yep. three days. And it's 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 wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah, I think before you have kids. As an adult, you're like, oh, time is passing. But then once you have a kid, you're like, oh, I can literally see time passing. And like one month to one month is like such a long time versus as an adult, you're like, oh, the weather's different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Five years from now, what do you want to be doing?
1: What do I want to be doing? It's funny because whenever I think of this question, I'm like, oh, this is like what my daily routine is that day. And I think, I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> where it's like, oh, like, I'll get up in the morning, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this. But for me, I definitely want to be in a place where, first of all, like, I definitely want to have published my book. That's, like, probably the only real huge goal that I will commit to, because I, I just find that five-year plans, like, so much changes in five years. Five years ago, I would not be imagining that I am where I am today, and I like, I like where I am today. But yeah, for me, it's just like having the space to have like a certain kind of day where it's like, there's space for creativity. I am interacting with people, even though I've, we've mentioned from the earlier part, that's like, I have to like, make sure I'm doing that. It's like, oh no, I forgot to talk to a human today. I better do that. And so, yeah, for me, it's like, I can see the day, but yeah it's in five years I'm like we're all going to be on spaceships if we're still here so (laughs) who knows
0: if in our lifetime someone offered you and your family the opportunity to go colonize Mars would you do it
1: I probably shouldn't reveal this here because I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of um just like people making fun of me but I'm like terrified of space it is one of my top fears one of the top fears
0: what is it about space that I mean do you want to I mean you want to talk about
1: it Oh, yeah. Well, so it's funny, because I don't know if you've seen the movie Gravity. Yeah, yeah. when that movie came out, I was like, see, everyone's like laughing at me, because I'm terrified of space. But like, this is literally like, this is what space is like. It's not like some cool, like, floating around, like, ooh, no gravity. It's like, we're not supposed to be there. (laughs) (laughs) But again, now people are gonna be like, oh, Ash, like space.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is scary. So it would be a toss up for me, like floating around in space versus like water. I'm also I'm scared of water. That's my biggest fear of it.
1: Water uh, water's also scary, but it's similar to space. We're also not supposed to be there. Like, it's just like, like I, anyone who wants to go explore that frontier, I'm like, good for you. Not for me. <laughs> I'll just die okay. here so, on earth. So <laughs> if,
0: if, if other people go and explore space and colonize Mars and get it set up, would you go live there?
1: If I had to <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was talking to my <laughs> uncle about this. He used to work at NASA and he was like, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't think we'll see that in our lifetime, but I was like, oh, oh it's fun to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: wow. mean, I I feel like people would be really into it, but I'm just like, I don't think I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. Like it's not going to be like we have to go situation, I think.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety I mean I, I guess it's just a, a popular topic right now if you look at a lot of the sci-fi shows that are coming out they're all set in this earth it, Earth is not sustainable anymore we have to go somewhere else sort of narrative
1: yeah yeah, yeah just the solution to messing up the whole planet just go find another yeah. one to mess yeah. up I'm like that's that's sustainable cool good job humans <laughs> like it's so messed up <laughs>
0: Um, So in, in terms of not messing up things and leaving something behind, it's hard to sometimes think about oneself, but I think it's important a little bit. What, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Like, what do you like, what do you want to be known for? Like 50 years from now, there's an article that's written about you. Like what, what's, you know, like what do you want people to, What kind of mark do you want to leave on the world?
1: Anthony with the deep questions. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's a really big and good question. Um, It is funny because over time, I think my answer to that question has gotten a lot different and a lot less grandiose, but then also a lot more poignant. I think when I was in my 20s, I was like, I want to be in design books, which now it's like who has like design books now. We're all just like, uh, pin it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I was like, when I graduated school, I was like, I'm going to be in design books. Like I'm going to be in a book forever for like design stuff that I make. And now I'm kind of like, you know, the legacy I want to leave. I'm like, I want people to feel less afraid to be who they are creatively. I want more people to feel okay with just being who they are. I think we still live in a time where it's, like, there's so much pressure to, like, be what you are told. Whether it's, like, from a basic level where it's, like, you're afraid um, to be authentically you. To the point where it's just, like, yeah, like, the way the world is set up, like, if something doesn't make money, we think it has literally no value. Like, we're, like, yeah, it literally doesn't have value, so, like, you shouldn't do it. And so if the legacy I can leave is just, like, people... Being less afraid of, first of all, discovering who they are. I think that's like a major reason that our world is messed up. Just like discovering who they are, understanding how they work, understanding what they want to do creatively. And like, I really do believe everyone is a creative person. I'm like a total hippie with that. That's why I work at Adobe making creative tools. Yeah. And so I just want to see a world where everyone feels like free enough to be creative, to be themselves um, and to help others do the same.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Thank you so much for making time out of your day to, to have this chat with me. It's, I think we had, we, we talked about a lot of awesome, (laughs) awesome things. How how can people uh, connect with you and learn about all the the stuff you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram, just Ash smash. I'm on Twitter at the same handle. Um, I do have an occasional newsletter that I am thinking of booting back up um, that's linked from my Twitter. And so those are probably the best ways to keep in touch with me, but yeah, like, you know, if you have any burning questions or anything, yeah, hit me up on any of those channels. There's like a contact form on my website. Yeah, that's it.
0: Thanks Ash. Uh, thanks for tuning into the hustle podcast and we'll, we'll see you soon. Cheers.
1: is brought to you by FunSize, a digital service and product design agency
0: that works with inspiring teams to uncover opportunities, evolve popular products, bring new businesses to market, and prepare for the future. Learn more at FunSize.co. I'm Paige, a product designer at FunSize. Namaste.